This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort, we could be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. The Rockets go one and one in Florida, picking up the win against the team that they probably should have lost to, and then picking up the L against the team that they probably should have tried to beat. What is up? And welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join myself and the Athletics' Ali Kambijani each week live to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way that we talk sports. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. So the Rockets pick up the 114-110 win against the Orlando Magic Sunday night. And then the following evening, they pick up the 113-91 blowout loss against the severely undermanned Miami Heat squad. And these, we'll get to why these wins should have been flipped in just a second. But first things first, um, some really horrifying news came out just before uh just f- before tip off against the Miami Heat that apparently uh Sterling Brown had been assaulted um the the specific press press release saying that uh last night Sterling Brown was the victim of an assault he had no prior knowledge of or interaction with the assailants he suffered facial lacerations but will make a full recovery uh, Sterling Brown is not playing tonight because of his prior knee injury. So, I mean, that was super random. And I, you know, prayers up for Sterling Brown. I hope he's okay. I hope it's nothing serious. Uh, Post game, Steven Silas said that he wasn't sure if Sterling Brown was even traveling back with the team. Uh, you know, so it's, I, I don't even know what all went down there. That's, it was very, you know, out of the blue. Um, all the you know, hoping all the best for Sterling Brown and that it's nothing too serious, but uh tough break, tough break for him. Uh but for this for this set of games, right, the reason I'm advocating that the Rockets should have flipped their results, right, is because winning against the Orlando Magic is that's a team that has the chance to actually push the Rockets out of the bottom three, as far as seeding is concerned. Uh sorry, not seeding. I guess it's kind of seeding for the Rockets, right? Um, it, you know, the Orlando Magic, the Orlando Magic actually have a chance to push the Rockets out of the bottom three, uh, for worst record in the NBA, which would push the Rockets' chances of retaining their top four pick, uh, out the window. So that's not great. And then the Miami Heat are the team who's, if the Rockets do fall out of the top four, as far as the draft is concerned, the Rockets walk away with the Miami Heat's pick. So... Had the Rockets actually beaten the Miami Heat, who were missing not one, not two, not three, but four starters in Victor Oladipo, Tyler Harrow, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo, 
had they beaten the Heat, then they would have potentially given themselves slightly better draft positioning uh, in the darkest timeline where they actually do lose their their draft pick if it falls out of the top four and all the swaps take effect, you know, with regards to Oklahoma City and Miami Heat and all that mess. So that's my logic there. It's not the end of the world. It's kind of a, a you know, a small thing in the grand scheme of things, but it's still something worth highlighting that... Uh, I was pulling for, I guess, an L against the Magic and a W against the Heat, and we got the inverse uh, of that result. But there's a lot to talk about, so I, I I had to actually miss Monday's episode for what may ultimately be a silly reason, uh, which I will divulge here in uh, not next episode, but the episode after that. So the Wednesday recap of the jazz game uh we'll find you you'll find out why we skipped monday's episode it could be a silly reason but i don't think it is i think it's a, a pretty important occasion uh but that's all i'm going to allude to there but so I, i'm kind of talking about the, the we'll talk about the magic game and the heat game a little bit in this one but i want to focus on some of the elements from the magic game really and the place that i want to start with is jay sean tate and I think that in both games against the Magic and against the Heat, like Jay Sean Tate just continues to show a really profound impact that he has on the game for the Rockets night in and night out. Just Clyde Drexler, night in and night out, man. Like, but for real, he impacts the game on both sides. And it's not right, he his his defensive presence is definitely probably his you know, the thing that is most impactful, but offensively against the Magic in a game where John Wall didn't play, the Rockets essentially only had one point guard or one primary playmaker in Kevin Porter Jr., who did a great job but did struggle with foul trouble. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, Jay Sean Tate played some point forward against the Magic, right? We kind of saw him in that facilitator role. He was steering the offense. He was a calming presence for the team. He finished with 14, uh, 14.7 boards, six assists, had a steal, had three blocks. Also walked away losing a chunk of his arm, courtesy of DJ Wilson, uh, falling forward and and you know, essentially taking away a chunk of Jay Sean Tate's arm with his teeth. Thankfully, DJ Wilson walked away unscathed. Uh, Jay Sean Tate, not so much. But uh, he, not not only that, so not only was he, was he kind of running the offense in the absence of secondary playmakers for the Rockets, but I highlighted at one point, and this is, again, I, I urge you, if you haven't done it yet, just... When you see Jay Sean Tate on the floor, try and pay attention to all the little things that he does off ball, both defensively and offensively, right? So defensively, like against the Magic, he, every single possession that he was, you know, near the paint, uh, you know, as a shot was going up, he's just, there was one specific one, right, where he had just spent the entire possession, he got switched on to Wendell Carter Jr. off of a, a pick and roll. And he spent the entire possession battling Wendell Carter Jr. for box-out positioning. Every chance that he thought there was about to be a potential shot going up, he would start just absolutely battling with him, you know, fighting for box-out positioning, wrestling with him. And this is a dude who, you know, towers over him. And it's because Jay Shantae does that early work in the shot clock and prepares, does his work ahead of time, 
That's why he's so effective on the glass. That's why he's such a menace on the offensive glass is because he's constantly fighting and battling to try and secure these rebounds on both sides of the court. And then other things that he does offensively, right? He sets beautiful screens. You know, he sets these little flare screens and stuff for guys to get open. He cuts well. He slips off of uh, off of screen. It just every every little thing that he does on the court is so impactful. And we just saw we saw a lot of that against the Magic, both you know when he had the ball in his hands and when he didn't. Uh, we saw more of that against the Miami Heat. Uh, there was, I think, some of my favorite plays, honestly. Even more so than some of the ridiculous highlight plays offensively that we've had from Jay Shantate and from other Rockets this season. Hands down, I think some of my favorite, most exciting plays this season have been the plays where Jay Shantate uh, stops a player dead in their tracks and gets essentially what is a block and a rebound all in one fell swoop, right? So he did that uh, against the Magic in one possession. I, I He had one... Not quite as effective, but he had a similar one against the Heat where he completely stopped Precious Achua, um, just dead in his tracks. Just And it's because Jayshon Tate, it's like running into a brick wall. So, you know, Tate goes up with his arms outstretched. And, you know, there have been a couple of them, right? Think about the uh, the Anthony Edwards one where Anthony Edwards drove in and Jayshon Tate just goes up with both hands and stops the ball. It, it counts as a block. And then if he recovers the ball, it also counts as a rebound. So those are some of the most hype possessions of this Rocket season, specifically for Jayshon Tate. And they talked about it during the broadcast, uh, Matt Bullard, Craig Ackerman. And we've talked about it kind of uh, intermittently throughout the season. But there is zero reason for Jayshon Tate to not be in the Rookie of the Year conversation. There are not three better rookies than Jayshon Tate this season. There just there there aren't. So... Jay Sean Tate absolutely deserves to be a finalist for the Rookie of the Year award. He's not going to walk away with it because the Rockets are one of the worst teams in the NBA. He doesn't have the uh, the sexy name brand recognition uh, of like the, you know an Anthony Edwards type uh, or a Lamelo Ball, unfortunately. But he absolutely deserves to be in the conversation, and that's going to be a drum that I'm going to continue to beat until the end of this season. But with that, I do want to talk about, coming up, I want to talk about Kevin Porter Jr.'s bounce-back games, uh, something that was huge to see after a really disappointing performance against the Denver Nuggets. He had a pair, he put together a pair of really good games against the Magic and against the Miami Heat. I want to talk about Christian Wood's presence, as well as uh, a, a segment of the game uh, against the Miami Heat, the top of the second quarter. That's what we're going to get to uh, in the next couple segments. But first, I have a quick message from our friends over at Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked On Rockets once a week, every week, Tuesday night, 9 p.m., with the, with the Athletics Ali Khan Bijani, which means you can join in on the conversation, ask us questions. Uh, you know, it's just it's such a great way to interact. Locker Room really is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league you'll find fans just like yourself on locker room for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and of course reacting to big news or rumors so go download the free locker room app right now currently available on all ios devices create a profile link your twitter and join the nba group for the latest updates follow me at jt gatlin as well as ali kambijani at rockets underscore insider so that way you know when our room goes live can't wait to see you there 
Locker Room, changing the way that we talk sports. And another quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Look, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, which is super unfair, right? RockAuto.com's prices are the exact same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. Why would you want to pay up to twice as much for the exact same parts? They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure, this is a really important part. Do me a favor. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Did you know that you can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our brand new Locked on Today podcast? Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news that you need in just under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your podcast, wherever you listen to this podcast. Now, let's talk... Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood here for a moment because, let's face it, Kevin Porter Jr. had a really, really disappointing outing uh, against the the Denver Nuggets, uh, unfortunately. A game, probably one of his, his worst games uh, in a Rockets jersey this season. Just four points, one of nine shooting, had four turnovers. Uh, he did have three rebounds and five assists, but a really rough overall night for Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, and really just for the Rockets as a whole uh, on their way to a 128-99 blowout loss against the Nuggets. And so to see K- KPJ bounce back in a really big way against the Orlando Magic, had 22 points, three boards, seven assists, had a steal, shot eight of 15 from the floor, four of seven uh, from behind the arc, tying a season high uh, for for threes in a game as a Houston Rocket. Uh, that was nice to see. And then he put together another solid performance against the Miami Heat. 18 points, two boards, three assists, just one turnover. Uh, six of 14 shooting. You'd like to see that be a little bit better. Um, but three of seven from behind the arc. So that, that three-point shot looking a little bit better these past couple of games. But with Kevin Porter Jr., that's the type of that's the type of response that you really want out of him, right? Is I, I think that I think that Rockets Twitter, especially and Rockets fans, right? There's a there's a mentality shift that needs to take place here. We have been collectively spoiled by the greatness that is James Harden and the consistency that is an all time great NBA player for the past eight years. And we need to kind of lower the bar and lower the expectations for a moment while we allow the young guys, while we allow Wood, KPJ, Jay Sean Tate, KJ Martin, Armani Brooks, right? Just the list goes on and on. We need to allow those guys opportunities to make mistakes. And we need to not jump the gun immediately and you know completely give up all hope at any sign of, of, you know, a subpar game. These guys are young players. They're going to have some inconsistent games. Christian Wood, 
for all intents and purposes, has been, you know, as promised. He's been great this season. Um, you know, I think that obviously he struggled a little bit coming back from the, the you know, the ankle injury, the extended time off. Uh, some of the explosion wasn't quite there, yes. But he's slowly getting back to form and looking better and better um, each and every passing game. So that's been, you know, a, an excellent turn of events after he did come back and looked, you know, not quite as solid as he was in the earlier part of the season. But Kevin Porter Jr., that's the response that you want to see out of him, right? He has a bad game, then he comes back, just like the uh, the Minnesota game, right? Where he, that was pro- that was probably his his original worst game of the season until this Denver Nuggets game kind of overtook that one, and then he comes back the following game, and and you know completely erases the the uh, dud performance from the the prior game. So for him to come back out against the Orlando Magic, yes, he struggled with foul trouble, and that's going to be another element of some of these young guys' development uh, for the Houston Rockets is learning how learning the importance, right, of some of these these ticky tack fouls, some of these silly fouls. Kevin Porter Jr. picking up uh, what was it? He picked up his fourth foul uh, just before halftime against the Orlando Magic. So then he had to play starting the third quarter with four fouls, uh, and then picked up his fifth uh, early in the third frame. Then had to sit, came back into the fourth quarter, and then eventually fouled out of the game with seven minutes left to play against the Orlando Magic. So that was tough in a game where he was essentially the only primary ball handler slash playmaker. Um, but it's, you know, and Jay Sean Tate struggled with foul trouble too. It's just, it's about these these guys learning their overall importance and how much more important it is for them to be on the floor and have their presence, you know, for the entirety of the game, rather than you know missing chunks of the game due to being in foul trouble uh, or missing the entirety of you know the end of a game like Kevin Porter Jr. did because of fouling out too early, uh, and that's going to be something that these guys learn over time. But he looked good. He had some really impressive drives and finishes. Um, Shout out to to Norman for pointing out the one Kyrie esque drive that I, I pulled a highlight from uh, against the Orlando Magic, and then he had another uh, really fancy drive against the the Miami Heat. Some some of his like some of his ball handling plus finishing, like it's it's very Kyrie esque in the way that he uh, handles the ball and and moves so fluidly offensively. Um, you know, he he I don't want to say he's got the same. He really doesn't have that same methodical style of James Harden. Like it's kind of, they they the way that they uh, beat their defender off the dribble is a little bit different, um, but there's some similarities there. It's just again, it's just exciting to see him put together a string of moves, uh, you know, to break down a defender, and then when he turns on that burst of speed, when he turns on the Jets and flies by his guy, it's game over. Um, he did that a couple times against the Miami Heat, where he just put on the burst of speed in transition uh, before the the Heat got their the shell of their defense set. And, you know, he split the seams between a couple defenders a couple different times. Uh, you know, some really exciting finishes from him. Again, we, we'd like to see him shoot a little bit better uh, than three of seven inside the arc. But overall, that's going to be an element where I'm actually going to dig back and look at the numbers because I'm very interested to see. I had him pulled up earlier. Um the numbers of when Kevin Porter play Kevin Porter Jr. plays alongside John Wall versus when he's playing by himself and John Wall sits. Um, and I was kind of parsing through the numbers, and I think I haven't crunched them fully yet, but I think Kevin Porter Jr. does play a little bit better in the absence of John Wall. And part of that's probably just a like a confidence thing where when he knows Wall is sitting, he's got the keys to the offense, right? Everything's under, you know, 
under his control for the entirety of the game, as opposed to with John Wall, he has to spend segments of the game playing off ball. He's, you know, maybe not in quite full rhythm like he normally is when he's got the keys to the offense, all of that, uh, which is something we'll talk about here in the final segment, as well as hearing from Steven Silas, his thoughts right after the Miami Heat game. But we will get to uh, our beloved tank commander, John Wall, here just momentarily. But I also want to talk about Christian Wood, who has felt like his presence, especially defensively, has been a bit more active these past couple games. Um, just a lot more energy from Christian Wood, I would say. Um, and I think that there's just been, there's still miscommunications defensively. Like there's still breakdowns as they're still trying to figure out certain things, um, especially between he and like Kelly Olynyk defensively. There's, there were some miscommunications uh, with the Miami Heat uh, in, in this one specifically where uh, Christian Wood and Kelly Olynyk kind of got lost, uh, you know, depending on who was supposed to switch, who was supposed to drop, all these different coverages. Um, there were some points in the game where Christian Wood, I don't want to say he looked lost on defense, but maybe he was dropping a little bit too far, giving the Miami Heat shooters uh, some really some really wide open looks. And that's just something you can't do against a team with the likes of Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, who combined for 49 points against the Rockets on, what was it, 11 of 23 three-point shooting. The Miami Heat as a team uh, shot 39.6% from behind the arc. Andre Iguodala shot four of seven. Uh, so, you know, Andre Iguodala and unexpectedly raining threes on the Rockets name a more iconic duo. God, just kill me now. Anyways, um, no, but Christian Wood, you know, and I think especially against the Orlando Magic, um, he looked really dominant down the stretch of that game. Uh, you know, in the final five minutes against the Orlando Magic, uh, Christian Wood shot two of three, uh, one of two from behind the arc. He had five points for the Rockets. He had the floater uh, with like, what was it, 40, 45 seconds left in the game uh, to extend the lead for the Rockets, which was a really, really clutch basket. Um, and in the absence of a true point guard to facilitate the ball to him, I think that he and his presence was really felt at the end of the game, really calling for the basketball, demanding it down the stretch, which is exactly what you want to see out of Christian Wood, right? That's the type of mentality that the Rockets need from him, uh, and they need it, they need it from him more throughout the game as well, right? Where he needs to command the ball. There's no reason why he shouldn't be getting 20-plus shot attempts every single night. There's no reason why he and John Wall should be competing for the same number of shot attempts in a given game. Christian Wood is the Rockets' most efficient player. He's their best player player um, and he's the guy who deserves the most touches so it was it was nice to see that uh, at the tail end of the Orlando Magic game Christian Wood kind of can't say he took over the game but he rose to the occasion especially in the absence of Kevin Porter Jr. who had fouled out of that game so that's been kind of nice to see and then again he's been uh, a little bit more active I think defensively um, finished the Magic game had a steal had a block uh, against the Miami Heat, he had three steals and two blocks. So just some active hands defensively, um, you know, potentially getting a little bit more accustomed to those high top shoes, uh, jumping, moving a little bit better, all that kind of stuff. So I do want to talk about the stretch from the Miami Heat game at the top of the second quarter where the Rockets started looking really, really good. Things were clicking uh, for the lineup that they had on the floor. And then none other then Jonathan Hildred Wall checked back into the game. So we'll talk about that in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. 
Look, football might be done for, but NBA is still going strong. We got playoffs right around the corner. Not so much for the Houston Rockets, unfortunately, uh, but NHL is going strong. MLB as well. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's totally free to sign up. So head over to their website and sign up today using promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. You can get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked on NBA draft podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of all things NBA draft four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked on NBA draft. We will actually be joined uh, by one of our Locked on NBA draft experts uh, a little bit later this week. Really excited for that show as we break down all things Cade Cunningham for the Houston Rockets perspective and angle. That's going to be a really fun, exciting show. The first uh, in a mountain of draft coverage that we will have coming up here very, very shortly as we as we navigate the remainder of this Rocket season, which has just been a total doozy, having like so many games in such you know short succession, just repeatedly, it's game after game after game, you know. Uh, so so frequently. So once we get past the regular season for the Rockets and get past all these you know games happening every other every other night and all these back to backs and five and sevens and all that, um, it'll really open up our schedule. We'll have tons of exciting draft coverage. Um, you know this is a this is a first for me going through uh, you know this being my second year with. Uh, locked on and, and running the podcast. Uh, it'll be interesting because last year was my first year handling a playoff run. And now this year, uh, the complete inverse of that, handling draft coverage and uh, focusing on, you know, learning about prospects and, you know, doing draft analysis and all that. It's going to be really exciting. And we're going to have a ton of guest voices and, you know, people on here to break down the NBA draft and all the different uh, perspective hypotheticals and all that. It's going to be a fun experience. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you are as well. But let's go ahead, and I want to talk about the Miami Heat game, and this really the the breaking point in the game for me, the point that really stood out uh, was the second quarter stretch where the Rockets looked really great at the top of the second quarter. And the lineup that played at the top of the second quarter for the Rockets was Armani Brooks, Avery Bradley, Christian Wood, Kelly Olenek, and Jay Sean Tate. Oh, I apologize. That is not the right lineup. Let me go back here. This is the correct lineup who played at the top of the, the second quarter. Um, right? Double checking here. Make sure I got my numbers right. Thank you, Slider, for working this time. All right, here we go. Apologize for that. So the actual correct lineup that played at the top of the second quarter was Armani Brooks, KJ Martin, Avery Bradley, Kevin Porter Jr., and Jay Sean Tate. So that's the lineup that played for a significant stretch at the top of the second quarter for the Houston Rockets, and they looked damn good doing it. So in roughly six minutes, right? No, five minutes of game time. So from about the start of the second quarter to the 6.54 mark uh, of the second quarter, which is when John Wall checked back in, that lineup shot six of nine from the floor. Give you a second with that. 
Yep, six of nine. Nice. You know, the usual. Um, shot six of nine from the floor, two of three from behind the three-point line. Uh, scored 14 points. Uh, they looked really solid in that in that you know, little stretch of about five minutes. Um, things were clicking for them offensively and things looked, you know, relatively good for that lineup for that little stretch of the game. Now, if I readjust my little box score slider here, John Wall checks back in as well as Kelly Olenek, uh, Christian Wood, you know, the rest of the starters kind of come back in. Everybody comes back into the fold and the Rockets subsequently go four of 11 for the rest of the quarter, only one of five from behind the three-point line. Um, they did shoot four or five at the free throw line, uh, scoring 13 points the rest of the way, but on, you know, some really inefficient, you know, shooting. Uh, and then the Miami Heat proceed to score another 12 points in that half. So, I mean, the Rockets did get outscored in the second quarter. I apologize. The Rockets did actually wind up winning that quarter 27 to 24, but it was that stretch of the game. And then the subsequent third quarter where the Rockets just went absolutely ice cold, um, just completely fell apart in the third quarter offensively. Um, shot just 8 of 21 from the floor, 2 of 10 from behind the three-point line, scored only 19 points in that quarter, only went to the charity stripe one time in the entirety of the third quarter. Compared to the Miami Heat, who shot... <laughs> God. He shot 14 of 28 for 50%, 7 of 16 from behind the arc. Duncan Robinson hit three threes. Uh, Kendrick Nunn hit a couple of threes. Andre Iguodala hit a couple threes. Uh, 35 points in the quarter for the Heat, 43.8% from behind the arc. Just completely buried the Rockets in the third quarter. So let's hear what Steven Silas had to say about this uh, postgame. I think we looked tired towards the end of the game, and we were – they put the zone on and we were short on all of our threes and we were getting some good looks and then we were short on our closeouts to their three-point shooters so maybe some of it is the travel back to back and all of that and the emotion of kind of what's been going on with the group uh i would say a, com a combination of the communication but also just playing with leverage and not uh, playing above the hard guys, playing below our guys, and you're not going to allow the back cuts and that sort of thing if you're playing below. Um, and we talked about that and we rectified that out of one of our timeouts. But um, yeah, there was a stretch there where they were getting the passes because Duncan Robinson is such a um, threat on the offensive end. We were trying to trail him and then our bigs were up a little bit too far and then they were dumping it down. So those were some of the plays that you saw. And then some of the cutting plays were some of the things that we had talked about this morning and uh, just making sure that we have leverage on those. We're not allowing those guys to um, cut if we're, if we're below them instead of on top. So Steven Silas talking about some of the defensive lapses for the team against the Miami Heat. And I completely agree. Um, and I think that, you know, I commented on it during the game, and look, John Wall, you know, talks a big talk, but he's absolutely out there half-assing it effort-wise on the defensive end, um, and it's tough to see. And then for him to to have a game where he, you know, has a really strong first quarter and then goes over the rest of the game, like like actually didn't score again. I think he no, he only scored one point the rest of the way, so he had 
a solid, a, a, by all means, a really solid first quarter. Um, John Wall, after after the first quarter of play, 13 points, 4 of 6 shooting, hit his only 3-point attempt, 4-4 four, four at the charity stripe, uh, didn't have a turnover, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. A phenomenal first quarter of play for John Wall, right? And then just completely like forgets how to play the game of basketball the rest of the way, really openly struggles because over the course of the remainder of the game, John Wall goes 0 for 8 from the floor, 0 4 from downtown, 1 of 2 at the charity stripe, only grabs one rebound, does dole out four assists, but also coughs the ball over, coughs the ball up four times, four turnovers, uh, only scores one point the rest of the entire game. Like in, in his remaining 20 minutes and 21 seconds of action, only scored one point. I, like, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. And, you know, he didn't. You know, I, I'm I'm happy that he didn't continue to dominate the ball. You know, he was 0 for 8, so it's nice to, you know, not see him continue to chuck and and hope to accomplish something. But I don't, I just don't get how he, you know, has that first quarter and then completely falls off the face of the earth the rest of the game. I just, I really don't get it. It's hard to wrap my head around. Um, and part of it maybe is is you know lack of effort or lack of motivation. Um, you know, I'm sure that he's frustrated with how his how this season has gone and where this team is currently at. I get it. Um, and if you take you know a, a step back and look at it from you know a ten thousand foot view, I think it's so important to think about the fact that you know however you may feel about John Wall, I do think it's important to appreciate the fact that this was a guy who did sit out for two years, right? who we didn't know what his career was going to look like when he did make it back from injury. We didn't know if he was going to be able to make it back from injury. And he busted his ass and worked so hard to get back to this point. And he's still got something left in the tank, right? He does. I don't know if it's going to be as a, you know, as a number 1 option as a franchise guy, which is what he still thinks he is in his in his head. I think that's going to take a mentality shift on his behalf. Now, whether that takes place here for the Houston Rockets or whether he gets traded and he uh, accepts a new role elsewhere for another team, for a team that's actually going to be competing for a title in the near future, um, that remains TBD. But um, I just think it's important to appreciate the fact that John Wall does still show flashes of his former self. Um, It's been a bit inconsistent. But for a guy who did sit out for two NBA years, um, you know, look, the Tank Commander memes and stuff, they're they are fun. Trust me, I dabble as well. Um, but I do think that John Wall can still be conducive to winning basketball games. He absolutely can be. Um, I think that there's just a lot that's going on with this current core of Rockets guys. And it's not that, you know, like defensively, it's not that he's not capable. We saw John Wall playing, you know, some all NBA caliber defense earlier this season when the team really looked like they had a legitimate shot to start making some noise when they started going on their tear and things looked really really good for this team when he was bought in, when he was one of the guys who wanted to be here. Um things looked really good. And you know, he was playing some really really consistent basketball, matching his brand of basketball and things were things were flowing and looked really good for the team and they've since kind of gotten away from that unfortunately. And so I think that he's kind kind of out there a little bit just going through the motions until the the end of the season, which is also why I'm frustrated that he didn't just opt to take the knee scope because, you know, if he wasn't out there, then the the younger guys would be getting more burn. Kevin Porter Jr. would would have the keys to the offense exclusively to himself. And I feel like that would have been a better end to this season than trying to balance John Wall playing out the remainder of, of this season. But at the same time, you respect the guy, you know, for wanting to be out there on the court after missing the game for, for two plus years, the game that he loves, that he 
uh, lives and breathes for. Um, you know, you just have to, you know, give him the respect he deserves for wanting to be out there and wanting to play with his guys, like he said, uh, after that win, what was it, against the Mavericks? Yeah. Like, you know, and because he's still capable of games like that, you know, not on a nightly basis, but he's still capable of games like that where he can have kind of a vintage John Wall performance. But when things aren't going his way, he needs to figure out ways to be impactful on the game. Uh, And in this one against the Miami Heat, he just didn't do that. He wasn't, uh, he was blowing defensive rotations. Uh, He was not giving the right effort. Uh, and then offensively, he was just, again, almost a giant goose egg for the remainder of the game. But uh, So tough going, tough sledding for John Wall in this one. Uh, but I guess that kind of... Oh, and last point that I want to get on is Armani Brooks, who uh, going into the game against the Miami Heat was shooting 52% from behind the arc, 11 of 21 shooting. Um, he went 2 for 11 against the Miami Heat, unfortunately. So he kind of put his three-point shooting in the tanker. But... My main takeaway from Armani Brooks is his confidence level. He is not afraid to shoot the basketball. He and this was the this was the gripe that Rockets Twitter and myself and you know many people had with Mason Jones was Mason Jones, it looked like he got deer in headlights look, right? Just, you know, kind of got the yips, couldn't really create his own shot and, and was too scared to shoot the ball most of the time. And that's why he stopped getting minutes. And yeah, maybe if he had gotten some G League run, he would have been in a better spot to, you know, make more of an impact on the team. Make that argument, sure. But Armani Brooks has not shied away from the moment. The, the, the minutes that he's out there, he's making an impact. He's even being, you know, productive defensively. He Again, he comes from the UH Kelvin Sampson system, so he's not a detriment on the defensive side of the basketball. He's 6'3", but he's got really long arms, um, so he's definitely a plus on the defensive side as well. And then... You know, offensively, he has not shown in any hesitancy when he gets a chance to to get out there and get shots up. He's absolutely going for it. So I just I love what I've seen out of him so far. I really hope the Rockets convert his two way contract and and you know get him on an actual NBA deal. Hopefully, a three year deal where they can lock him in uh, and be able to you know secure his bird rights because I do think that he has a place in this league because there is a premium placed on people who can shoot on players who can shoot in the NBA, and he can shoot, but he can also give you something defensively, right? And that was the issue with with Ben McLemore is, you know, he did not have the defensive instincts or the tools defensively that Armani Brooks does at that guard spot. Um, the wingspan, the length, the defensive IQ, um, the right the right building block of, of teaching, uh, you know, with Armani Brooks' background from the U of H system, um, just a lot of things going in favor for Armani here, and I just want to see him, you know, continue to hopefully have that chance to grow with the Rockets. But with that, that's my final point, which means after a, after a Rockets loss, you know what that means. We got to run these Tankathon numbers. So let's go ahead and do our Tankathon spin of the day and see where the Rockets land. Oh, okay. It was a close one. It was a close one here, people. But we hold. We held on. Rockets fell three spots down to the number four overall pick. So the Orlando Magic jump up to the number one pick. Minnesota stays at number two. Cleveland jumps up three spots to the number three overall pick. And the Rockets hold on to the fourth overall pick uh, in the NBA draft. So, you know, taking uh, Jalen Green more than likely at number four. I don't really see them taking Kaminga over Green at this point. Uh, And then they also walk away with the 22nd overall pick as well as the 24th overall pick from Portland and Milwaukee, respectively. So not a great sim in this one, unfortunately. Sayonara to the Cade Cunningham uh, 
I don't want to call it a pipe dream because it's still pretty realistic. Uh, but unfortunately, no Cade Cunningham, no Evan Mobley, no Jalen Suggs. Uh, but they do retain a top four pick. So for today's episode, that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.